Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Shine. You filled this place out beautifully. Everybody, so who had a good Christmas? What about a new year? We've got it start sweet 16 off to a sweet 16. <laughs> yeah. Um, happy new year, everyone. Uh, here for Made to Shine. I know people are still coming in. And you, know, you can get here at 615 and there's Della and her team have all kinds of wonderful things over there. Tonight there's some coconut macaroons that are amazing. They're organic and yummy. And there's decaf coffee and they have some punch for us and some little coconut cookies. So y'all can come at 615 if you want to and, um, and just really enjoy yourself. So well, nothing like the first, the beginning of the semester to get all the kinks worked out, right? <laughs> uh, did we end the semester with doing worship at the end? Yeah. Did we? Yeah. It was too long ago. Okay. In my mind, that's what I was thinking. But I, yeah, that's too long ago, Robin. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyhow, on your tables, thought, you okay? On your tables... Um, there are some little personal uh, keychain lights. So I, I thought they would be white, and when I opened the box last night when I got home, they were red. So I thought, oh, red reminds us of the blood of Jesus. <laughs> so we're just going to shine his light on everything. Uh, shine the light of his love and seeing through the blood of Christ. And that's some of what we'll be talking about. So it was perfect. Um, anyhow, but on the other end is a, there's a whistle. So if you're calling kids or dogs or somebody, a stranger danger, you can always use your whistle. And if you blow hard, it gets really loud. So just know we could all... <laughs> and now this semester, the youth is going to be, uh, they're going to be having their um, teleos is going to be over here in this room. So we're going to have to hold it down to a dull roar this semester, <laughs> uh, which I don't know if we can do that, but we'll try. Oh, now wait a minute. <laughs> okay. Uh, does everybody have their whistle out? Let's, let's do a whistle. Okay. Okay. On the count of three. Okay. One. Two, two and a half, two and three quarters. Come on. Three. <laughs> so now they're going to know we're over here too, right? <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you can put these on your keychains. You can put them in your car. You can use them wherever you want. They're just nice to have around. So I thought we would... Shine a little light on God's design for womanhood this semester. Anyhow, um, Della, I just want to thank... Where's Della? Della, thank you so much for what you and Daryl do to set all this up. Um, and uh, if anybody here enjoys... Who enjoys having the snacks and the beverages? We all enjoy it. If anybody has in their heart that they would enjoy helping her be part of the team... Please see Della afterwards. It would just be a real blessing. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot that goes into setting it up and tearing it down. And if we can share the joy, why not? Everything's better shared. You know, a good apple or bad apple. And you say, why? 
A good apple, you share the joy. A bad apple, you don't have to eat it all. <laughs> um, um, Sharon, do you want to talk some about drama, or do you want me just? Uh, oh, I can just make it. This, and you, next, next tomorrow. I mean, next week. Okay. Well, hop up here real quick. Sharon has something she wants to say real quick about um, about um, Sunshine Review. Right. Here you oh. go. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm going to try to do this because I, I can't read very well because I don't have my glasses. Oh, there you go. Thank you. I'm asking you shall receive. Okay. Um, well, we're trying to put together our uh, drama team that's called the Sunshine Review. And um, right now we are in desperate need of a gal that can uh, portray a mom of young school-aged children. So if anyone is talented in that way, gifted in that way, please come see me. We're also trying to um, build a bigger group where maybe some people could just be extras and things. Um, so uh, let's see here. Sorry. Um, the more, the better, because we can give God a little bit more dimensions to work with the scripts if we do have a lot more mm -hmm. and a lot more different people bring a lot more different talents to the, uh, to the message. Um, uh, one thing I want to say is 2016, you know, why don't you try something new? If God has, has thought that, um, or if you've ever even thought you might want to act at all, you know, maybe God's trying to say, you know, you really do have this gift, so give it a try. Uh, if you think you might want to do that, do it in a small role or whatever, just come see me or um, get my email from Christine or Jan or, or Jan. Or a lot of you, so. Yeah. Okay. But um, the more that we have, the better that we can uh, represent what God wants us to, to hear and know. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. And it's a lot of fun, and um, it is such a blessing, and um, we just learn so much when we do it, too. It is a lot of awesome. fun, Awesome. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for doing the Sunshine Review. It's, were, were any of y'all at the tea, the Christmas tea that we had? And just wasn't that great? Just kind of brought in and wove in what we did in Titus and brought it forward. And so that was, that was helpful to see multidimensional of what we're learning. God bless you. Yeah. Oh, wait. I need my, I need my glasses. Anybody else use glasses? Am I the only, only one? Um, pardon? Pardon? Uh, I'm at the right table. <laughs> um, oh, were any of y'all able to be at the powerful meetings, Power to Rule, this last week? Weren't they great? What, um, what was, just a couple of you, what was something that ministered to you? I loved the, just the transparency. The, the messages were great. The worship was good. But the transparency, I thought just... It felt kind of like the reminiscent of the 40 days of prayer and fasting that we had. I just, there was there. What it, yes. I like the don't be overwhelmed with sin, be overwhelmed with God's grace. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Rejoice in tribulation. Yes. Yeah. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Pray continually, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That is a rock verse for me. <laughs> and I really used it this last week. Yeah. 
Well, it was, it was great. And um, do y'all remember when we launched Shine? I, one of the things that the Lord had put on my heart for Shine was that it would be a response to what God is doing in the men's ministry. And um, I have just been so amazed at how ever since we've started this, it, it, that's exactly what it's been. I mean, from the, the men's advance that they had, and then the next week we started, and the things that God was speaking through Titus, and then, um, and then when Steve started with the, the, the one verse, uh, Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, that's our core verse for this whole study. You know, and I was like, really? Even on his notes, he had Romans 5.17 that he was going to start with. And he started with the Genesis 1. And I thought, Lord, only you. You would think we'd gotten together to, to talk about it. But we haven't. It's just the flow of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I'm really excited about what God has to do here. Um, so anyhow, Jan has something that she, she has for us to share. And um, yeah, are you ready, Jan? Oh, <laughs> you girls, you girls, yeah, yeah, change your hat. <laughs> uh, Jan, we, the Lord put us together in 2013, and we have just had a great time since then. We've been, you know, Steve said something about being troublemakers. Well, we've kind of done that, and we've had a good time doing it. <laughs> yeah, so anyhow, yeah, why don't you go ahead and share what you have okay. about the canvas. Okay. Well, Christine. Oh, here. Um, Christine and some of her prayer warriors were praying the other day and thought of this beautiful idea of having the empty canvas. And I think it's going to be like this. Because we're standing upright, right? Um, and then when they were talking about, well, who should paint on this empty canvas? They thought of me, which at first I was really kind of like disgruntled because I am an artist, but sometimes you get stuck. And I've been stuck for a while and kind of dormant. But I've really been asking God to give me opportunities this year to be more creative. And so this wonderful opportunity came along <laughs> and I didn't recognize it at first but I had to pray about it and then God showed me that yes Jan you are supposed to do this and so this empty canvas is up here for a specific reason because as you know if you've been coming to Pastor Steve's last three nights the power to rule he talked about um, imagination and innovation and God created each one of us in his image and God is the most creative being in the whole universe. That means each one of you is creative in some form or fashion. And so we want to give you an opportunity to come and to be part of our, what we're going to call the living canvas time. And it's a time when you take what you've learned, when Christine's teaching, from God's word. And if God sparks something in you, and you create a poem or a collage, Karen's good at those, or a song, or anything, anything. I mean, the sky's the limit. Then we want you to be able to share that. And on one of your papers, um, it says at the top in the notebook that you picked up. I think everybody got a notebook. It says, um, Pastor Steve has been talking a lot about innovation and imagination. That one. 
Well, if you are inspired, then Betty Garcia's number and email are on there. And so you can talk to her and run by her your idea so that we can get you scheduled. And it's going to be just, just a short little nugget like we had last time, like three minutes, not long. So it won't be a big deal for you to stand up here and talk, hopefully. Um, and the idea of the living empty canvas is that as Christine is going to be talking about uh, biblical womanhood, we want you to think of yourself as an empty canvas. And how does God want to paint on your palette? Well, God gave me this little poem, and I wanted to read it to you. Because it kind of summarizes um, this idea of the empty canvas. Okay, so here it is. It's called the empty canvas. Here I stand in the holy presence of the great I am. An empty canvas washed white by the blood of the lamb. Paint my life with the colors of your palette. A willing canvas ready because Jesus paid my debt. Brush my life so gently with the hues of your rainbow so that my life, thoughts, and deeds reflect the God I know. A masterpiece lovingly rendered by the greatest artist of all. Let me shine forth your beauty created and redeemed from the fall. As I study your design for who you want me to be, a living canvas, fully woman, fully me, loved and set free and so that is the idea you're sweet god is good i know it's like god what did you give me this assignment i don't want to do this so just think about that if you're thinking well i can't do that yes you can because god can do it through you so and i'm living testimony to that and so when oh where'd she go there she is um i didn't have an idea when she told me this this idea, what we're going to do is each week, this living, it's not really living, but this canvas that represents us is going to take form, and there's going to be images and color on it each week. But you won't know what it is until the very end. So I hope. <laughs> That's my idea. Anyway, so I think... Which is reminiscent of our lives, too. It is. Because sometimes we're thinking... God, I don't see it. Yesterday I had one of those days, and Allie helped me walk through it. it. When my day started out, but by the end of the day, I was thanking God for the day. It was beautiful in how he brought it together. It really was. But it was. It were times it were really hard. I walked through half the city crying. <laughs> I ran into people. I had no makeup. My eyes were red. My nose was red. But I had stuff I had to do. So I walked in Costco and I had people that... But there was such a transparency. I ran into people that their father-in-law had passed, had committed suicide the week before, the, 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 last year. So they're walking through that. Another gal, it's at Huberger, Ariel at Huberger, and her, her boyfriend's mother had been... It was a murder-suicide, and she's still walking through that. I had the opportunity to just put my arms around her and tell her that God loves her. So it's there, we don't always see, and I love that. We don't always know, 
what he's doing, but are we willing to trust him? So we have a song to play that Jan found. It's a beautiful song by... Yeah, really, the 80s. Yeah, it's from the 80s. Wow. Boy, you have a good memory. That's a long time ago, Jan. (laughs) How many of you were born in the 80s? (laughs) Yeah. So anyhow, it's John Michael Talbot. And I don't know if Greg is out there, but I'm going to play it. Okay, yeah, there he is. Now, while you listen to this, there's a page in in your notebook... That's, in, that's titled, what's it titled? It's called Blank Canvas. It's on the back of the one I read. Okay, it's, okay, it's on the back there. It's on the back. As you listen, think about what you would like to glean from this study on womanhood. Are you an open canvas? This is written on there. Are you an open canvas for God to paint his design on? Ask the Lord to come and paint on the canvas of your life. Write down anything you sense. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you, okay? So I'm going to play this, and you just read through here and listen to the Lord, Okay? Okay, here we go. Empty canvas waits before the painter. It waits to be the painting it must be.
Lord, we submit to you, to your design, the work of your spirit in us. We open our hearts and lives to you and ask you to please come and paint your beautiful feminine design upon our lives as we seek you in your word and in your prayer. Thank you for each lady here. Each one has a desire. Each one has questions. Each one has hope. Each one you have called with a purpose and a plan. And I just pray that as we open ourselves up to you this semester, Lord, that you would teach us that as we begin tonight, it's just an introduction to Made to Shine, how you've made us, how you give us the grace to shine. We yield our lives to you, and we say we trust you. And anything that is written upon our lives that is not true, would you please bring it to our attention through your word, through your spirit, and by your power. May it be taken away, taken off of our canvas, that it would be redeemed and it would become something beautiful. So that when we look at the canvas of our lives, anything that has been broken where we've been a victim, where we've been abused, where there's been violation, where there's been lies, where there's been misunderstandings, where there's been loneliness, where there's been betrayal, where there's been shame. Lord, we give that to you, and we ask that you would rewrite, that you would paint with the ashes of our lives something beautiful. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Had a beautiful song. Thank you, Jan. When I was a little girl growing up on the farm, I lived in Plano, Texas, the youngest of six kids, four older brothers and an older sister. We had cows and horses and an acre garden. We had dogs and chickens. And um, when I was really little, we had sheep and we had all of these. But growing up on the farm, um, you know, I used to wonder why the cows were so different from the bulls and why my older brothers sweat so much and why the chickens were so much nicer than the roosters. You know, this thing between male and female, masculine and feminine, we see it in nature, we see it in flowers, we see it in animals, we see it in humanity. Um, I was a tomboy. Dolls were of no interest. Um, dresses were only worn under duress. <laughs> and um, I enjoyed, I loved playing football with the guys at recess. Um, but as I got into the double digits, I began to think about 
what would it be like to be a mom? What would it be like to be a wife? And that I can remember the intrigue of that and wondering, what will I teach my kids? What will it be like? I mean, here I am. I was maybe around 12, and I can really remember thinking through this. Um, what, what about you? What did you dream about when you were a little girl? Do you remember some of the things that you dreamed about when you were a little girl? What you hoped to be or what you hoped to do? Or I was going to be an Olympic star. <laughs> 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 Jane was going to be an Olympic star. <laughs> Anybody else? What did you dream to be? What, Robin? A veterinarian. I thought about that too. Yeah. 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 You know, a little girl, uh, yeah. you know, like seven, eight. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be a mom. Yeah. Okay, and I used to chase the little girls uh, and, and bring them to my house and I said, let's play house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the mother. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, I want to be the mom. No, I want to be the mom. Yeah. It's, it, are we giving our young girls today permission? That if that is in their heart to be a, a wife and a mom, are we giving them permission to be that? Or are we saying, oh, that's fine, sweetheart, but what about your college career? What do you want to do with your life? And we can get into some of that later. And there's nothing wrong with getting college education. I'm all for being educated. But if it is in their heart to be a mom, to be a wife, I just want to say, are we giving them permission and saying, that is one of the highest callings on a woman's life. I, don't, I can't tell you how many young women I've talked with. And I say, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to be? Well, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get my degree in a plethora of different things. And then I'm going to start my career and get all marked out. And I'll say, I'll lean in. I'll say, what do you really want to do with your life? And that kind of surprises them because they've got it all laid out. And usually through tears. And they whisper, and it might be just the two of us. I've been in my house, and it's just the two of us, and nobody else is there. And they'll lean forward like somebody's listening, and they'll whisper, and they'll say, with tears running down their cheeks, really? All I want to be is a wife and a mom. And I'll say that is one of the highest callings that a woman can be. There's nothing wrong with the other things. But what has God designed us to be and to do? I want to cover some of that. It doesn't mean that you can't be a veterinarian. It doesn't mean that you can't be a school teacher. It doesn't mean that you can't be an astronaut and go to the, go, go to the moon. You know, I'm not saying you can't do those things. But what, what is really in your heart? What has God designed woman for? Um, uh, so, I didn't have a good model of marriage, as my mom and dad didn't get along. Oftentimes I would go to bed at night hearing them argue and slam doors, and I would have nightmares. Some of you can relate. Yeah. They were wonderful people. If you were to sit down and talk to my mom or my dad, you would love them. They were amazing. They were wonderful, kind, good, caring people. But this thing about marriage and man and woman together how God created man and woman to shine together. They didn't figure that out. 
And when I was 16, when I was 14, my dad left. They separated. When I was 16, they divorced. Um, crushed me. They never got along, but the fact that they were divorced crushed me. I kept trying to get them back together. I kept talking to dad. I kept. So anyhow, it's just not supposed to be. I deeply desired to get married, but didn't want the kind of marriage that my parents had. And truth be told, my parents didn't want that for any of us either, all six of us kids. That's not what they wanted for us either. They knew. Um, so I sought after God's design. I sought after his design in the word the best I knew how. I listened to pastors. I went to seminars. I read books. I wanted to know what it was. I remember when I was my senior year in high school, the summer before my senior year started, Chuck Swindoll was doing a talk on the radio about godly womanhood. It was at 8 o'clock. Every weekday morning, I got up at 8 o'clock. I sat on my mom's bed because that's where the radio was that I could tune in, and I took notes. And several years ago, I found those notes. And it amazed me how much was written upon my heart in seek, in listening to Chuck, Chuck Swindoll talk about godly womanhood. In 1985... And then I would, there was couples that I would see that had the spark. They didn't have perfect relationships, but you could tell when he looked at her and that when she talked about him, they loved each other. And there was, there was a spark there. It resonated in my heart. In 85, Denny and I got married, and we had our challenges. Some of them were personality. I don't know if anybody knows anything about the Enneagram test, but my daughter tells me that my husband and I are double negatives. We're double opposites of each other. So we're about as opposite as you could get. So there were personality things, but the greatest part of it was we didn't understand God's design for marriage. We didn't understand God's design for manhood and womanhood. So um, God teaches us in his word what that is, and that's one of the things that we're going to be looking at this semester and we're going to be focusing on the women. But to understand, if we're to be responding to the men, then we need to know something about what we're responding to. So we will cover some about men, but it's going to be focused on us as women. In 99, I reluctantly joined a Bible study on womanhood, biblical womanhood. I didn't know what it was. I went and said something to my husband that I really feel like I'm supposed to be a part of this group, and it was starting soon, and I don't even know if I can join anymore. And he said, you know, that's been on my heart for you to do too. And I said, okay. And so they swept me into the group. Well, I was the last one to be booted in. And, <laughs> and they made room for me, and I was really thankful. And, but I told Denny, I said, if I start acting weird, just tell me, and I'll quit. <laughs> I didn't know. And um, so uh, it was like signing up for a foreign language that I didn't, I didn't actually know, but it was written upon my heart. Something deep within me that I didn't know, but it was, it was there, deep calling to deep. And I felt like I had found a file lost in my hard drive. And when I added it to the programs of my system, life began to have clarity and understanding. And marriage came alive. And what it was, what my design was came alive. And what it meant to be a mom and how I parented my kids, it changed. It gave it gave insight. So the second week in the study, 
I had an implosion. It was like this explosion went off on the inside. I think they call it technically an implosion if it's inside. And I still remember sitting there. I still remember the room. I was in Bonnie Faylauer's, uh, there around their dining room table, and the ladies, the teacher was over, Gail was over here in, the, in this round. And I still remember the pictures on the wall. It was, you know, like when 9-11 happened, do you remember where you were? When something happens and there's this implosion that happens in you, you remember it. And God, what I felt like God was saying to me, what, what came up in my spirit was, you're going to be doing this the rest of your life. And I'm like, what? I, I, haven't, I haven't even gone out. I don't know what it is. I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not signing up for the rest of my life. It was just this one, <laughs> this one semester I'm doing, God. But it was, it, that was in there. I didn't know what it meant. But that went off. It triggered in me. Um, God knows I'm a learner. I'm slow, but I stick at it, and I get it eventually. <laughs> so um, I, I went on. Well, we'll talk about that later. He knows we're imperfect, and he loves us still. And I think, that, I think we need to be able to receive that. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. And what we're going to be learning this semester, you're not necessarily going to become it just like that. It's a process. When you plant a seed... Do you walk out and pick, when you pray at a, a, like a peach pit, do you walk out the next day and pick peaches? Well, ladies, we're planting seeds. And I really want to encourage you to allow the process of time. God created process. Allow the process of time in your lives for the Holy Spirit to cultivate this in your lives. Tuesday night on the way home from church, um, power to rule. I was crying, telling Denny, I can't leave China. I don't. <laughs> but I know God can. Because he's like, honey, why are you so quiet? Are you okay? And it's like, I don't <laughs> and, But I know God can. And he says, well, who are you going to side with? <laughs> Our men. They just bring such clarity, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> clarity, yes, is that what you call it? I said, I'm going to side with God. I'm going to trust him. And I encourage you all. Some of these things you're going to hear and you're going to say, I can't do that. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. How can I? Their culture says the, what, what I learned, what, the, what I saw. What I... Trust God. Just who are you going to side with? The culture, the devil, your past. Are we going to side with God? Um, over the last several years, I've found this phrase running through my head. The phrase says, find God's design and align. And God has used that over and over and over, whether it's worshiping God, loving my husband, loving our children, our adult children, our grandchildren, whether it's what to eat or how to eat, whether it's relationships, if we will simply find God's design and align, we will find great success because we're aligning with God's design. Take gravity, for example. Is gravity good or bad? If you align with the design of gravity, it can help you be stronger. It can help you, it can, I mean lifts it. I mean, it can really be a good friend to you. 
But if you violate the principles of gravity, you're going to get hurt, girl. It might even kill you. It's the same for life. It's the same for marriage. It's the same for how we eat. It's the same for sleep is one of the hardest things for me to be disciplined with. I love to stay up at night and I love to get up early and they don't mix. And Denny's, he said, I've given up to try to get you to bed early. So if you want to pray for me, pray that I would get to bed and get my sleep. But this, I mean, it's part of God's design. We need sleep. Find God's design and align. And so we're going to be talking about what God's design is for our lives, for how he's created us to shine. Um, the Lord commands us to cast all our cares on him. He doesn't expect us to know how to do everything. But he does ask us to trust him, to work in and through us. We're to trust him. That's what I did in the car Tuesday night. I said, Lord, I trust you. 1 Peter 5, 5 to 8 says, listen to what God commands us to do and hear what he will do. So as I read this, listen to what he's telling us to do and listen to what he will do in response when we do that. In the same way you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, whether older or in authority over us. That's my little thing. So if it's it's not just you get to a certain age and you don't have somebody older than you, but you have authority over you. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety, your cares on him. Why? Because he loves you. And he didn't create you to carry anxiety and cares. This allows you to be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In other words, if we don't do what he's instructed us to do, we will be opposed by God and we will be devoured by the devil. Who wants that? But you see, when you look at it black and white, you see how simple it is. But if we submit ourselves to authority, clothe yourselves with humility, humble ourselves, and cast all our cares on him, then God will show favor to you, lift you up in due time, care for you, and you will be alert and sober-minded. Who doesn't want that? But do you see it's aligning with his design? That's just a simple example. This is being an open canvas for the master painter to begin painting beauty with ashes of our lives. You know, he is the creator. He's amazing. He, he continues to do that in my life, and he continues to do that in your life. He takes, you know, we think, well, we've messed up so much. Well, I have a lot of ashes in my life, too. But I'm seeing God take those ashes, and he will do the same thing in your life. He will take the ashes in our lives, and he will mix them in with the palette of his colors. And he will begin painting on the canvas of our life and using and redeeming the ashes of our lives. Do you believe that? I believe that. I see him doing that. He will do that when we give it to him. Let's look at the overview page in your notebook. Um, I just want to go over that just a little bit here. The transformational study I took in 1999 was the five aspects of woman. I went on to lead the study 19 times after that. 
last, not this last semester, but the semester before, I guess the fall before, was the 19th time. We had an amazing study. We finished up in Jan's house. Great. So who was, see, Barb, you were in that group. Who here was in there? I know Judy Dutt and so, uh, I guess Jan, you and Jan, is that it that's here? Okay. Anyhow, there were, what, about 12 ladies, I think? Yeah. Yeah, Sharon was in it. Yeah, she looked like she wasn't feeling well. Bless her heart. She was having a tough night. Lord, we just lift Sharon up to you. We cover her with the blood of Jesus, and we pray that you would be with her. That as she is at home and resting, that we just pray for healing in her body and rest in her spirit. And we cover her with your blood and your grace and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Denny prayed the ladies and me through it every time. He was like the shepherd over all of my groups, and he would pray for us. He prayed for the ladies and me. This semester, we will be studying God's design from womanhood. And um, Denny will be praying for you and me as well. He prays for us every week. The scriptural framework we'll be following is one skillfully laid out by Barbara Mauser in the five aspects of woman. We're not going to do the aspects, but we're following that same framework, biblical framework. And when you do something 19 times, I, I... was emailing back and forth with Barbara, and I was telling her what was in my heart and asked her if it's okay. And she says, the, word, the scriptures are God's and his saints. <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> so um, anyhow, uh, and I pray. Uh, one of the things is that study has not only affected my life, but thousands of others of ladies' lives. And so it's just an anointed study. If you ever get the opportunity to take it, I encourage you to take it. It goes in farther, way farther in depth than what we'll be going into. I pray Psalms 119.105 for you, that God's word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path as we go through this, that the scriptures will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God made you to shine. We all dare, we all desire to shine, don't we? We all do. A little girl, I can remember, I was cleaning my room, and I wanted to get it so clean that when my mom walked into the room, it would shine so bright that it would hurt her eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, but we do. We want to do it right. But sometimes we just don't know what that is. We, want, we have that desire. It's, God put it in us to shine. Um, Isaiah, let's read Isaiah 60, 1 to 5. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. How many of you know it's getting darker? In times, the dark gets darker, and the light gets lighter. Right. Where does the light come from? From us. He's calling us to shine, ladies. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. For merchants from around the world will come to you. They will bring you the wealth of many lands. How do we shine? You remember when we started out last semester, Anna was up here polishing the teapot, the sterling silver teapot? It was pretty tarnished when she started, but it was really shining. 
when she finished. We all have areas in our lives that are tarnished. And it's the loving hand of the master that cleanses the tarnish from our lives. When we receive the truth of God's word, the tarnish is wiped away and we begin to shine. God created us to rule. And these are the kind of the aspects, the, the looks that we're going to look at from Genesis 1. He's created us to rule. We are to rule the domain God gives us. He's created us to complete from Genesis 2, 18 to 24. God created woman from and for the man to help the man complete the mandate because he knew he couldn't do it alone. <laughs> God, God created us to give life, Genesis 3, 15 and 20. Fulfilled, and we see it fulfilled in Luke 1, 30 to 31. We're created to give life and nurture. Allow that life and nurture to come forth in your lives. Don't suppress it. Be nurturers. Be life givers. Our culture suppresses. It says we're supposed to be tough, kick-ass women. Pardon my French. That's what we see in all the movies. That's not what we're designed for. Our world needs women to nurture, to love. They need that softness and gentleness. That doesn't mean that you're going to be run over, though. We have a backbone. And we have an opinion. And we have thoughts. We're not going to be a doormat. But we can be loving and gentle and kind and nurturing. He's created us to be the glory of, to, to be wise from Proverbs 1 to 9 and Proverbs 31. To teach and counsel. That's in you. God created you for that. And as you get his design in you, you're going to find yourself having wisdom for situations and people that need to hear the wisdom that God is pouring through you. God has created us to be the glory of man, from 1 Corinthians 11 and Ephesians 5, responding to God as a picture of the believer, a picture of the believer and the church. That's what he's called us to be. Do you feel that way? Oftentimes I don't. But this is what God has designed us for. So we find his design in a line. We will study each design of womanhood from the created, fallen, and redeemed position. How God created it, what it looks like in the fall, and what it looks like to be redeemed. Um, we'll look at the end, we'll look at Deborah, modeling biblical womanhood from Judges 4 and 5, a mother to Israel. Beautiful. She sat under her palm tree, and God used her mightily. Before going through these five aspects... I was not aware, but my identity was in what others thought of me. I didn't realize I was ruled by the fear of man. I didn't. It's part of my personality. I'm the youngest of six. I wanted to please my dad. Um, I was in bondage to the fear of man. But as I began to learn what God thought of me, ladies, I was set free. And I continue to be set free as I learn God's design. And so will you be. You've all come a long way. But have we arrived yet? No, we haven't arrived yet. Thank God. It'd be boring. You know, I mean, the journey is part of the joy. And together, we get to be together. Your D groups, you're going to be together in this journey. And I have, a, I have progressively been set free. So um, understanding who God is and his identity for men and women has helped me grow closer to God, relate to both men and women, and much, it's given me much greater, greater clarity 
and understanding and dealing with and relating with men and women. Um, it has impacted my life in so many ways, just understanding who God is. My marriage and how I interact with men and women and people, with children, how we raised our children, it made such a difference just understanding God's design. We all have identity, but what is it in? Have you ever really thought about what is your identity in? Is it in what you do? Is it in your cute haircut, Barb? Is it? <laughs> I know your identity's not in that, but doesn't she have a cute haircut? <laughs> um, it might be in where we live. It might be in our, our heritage from the past. It might be what's in our bank account or where we get our clothes or what our husband does or what our children do. Um, I can remember that. I can remember, well, if my children do this, then people are going to think that about me. And when God set me free of understanding that's their choice. This is their life to live. I have to set them free to be who they are and not continue living my life through them. Where is our identity? What is it in? Both of these, two important questions we ask through our lives in one way or another is, who am I and why am I here? It's an underlying thought. We're always, who am I? What, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to look? What, am I, what, what is my role? What is, what, who am I and what am I supposed to do? Why am I here? Both of these have to do with our identity, don't they? They both have to do with how we're created and what our identity is. Um, I think it's important that we stop and really think about that. Many find their identity in many different ways, as we talked about. Did you know that where you find your identity is one of the most defining markers about how you see the world, yourself, and others? Have you thought about that? that where you find your identity is one of the most defining markers about how you see the world, yourself, and others. Where you find your identity is one of the most important and significant choices you make to influence your life. Where you find your identity is one of the most important and significant choices you will ever make to influence your life. Are you willing to open your heart to God and allow him to rewrite any beliefs, lies, or information you have embraced so your life can be aligned with his design? Are you willing? You don't have to answer me. You answer God. And allow your spirit to be open to the Holy Spirit. Listen to these verses. These are the foundational scriptures we will build on. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals and on, on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. 
Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So let's look at verse 26. What is so pivotal to our identity in verse 26? Read that again. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And then he says what they'll do. Whose image are we made in? We're made in God's image. Being created in God's image to be like the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit, soul, and body. No matter how many counselors or sessions you go to, self-help programs you attend, studying to explore the deeper identity of who you are, achieve great accomplishments, or do good deeds, you will never find your true identity, ladies, until you understand the one that you're creating the image of. That's secondary. All these other things are set. They're fine. They're good. They're fun. They're exciting. But until we understand the one that we're created in the image of, we don't really understand our identity. Verse 26 says, in our image to be like us. And then 27, he says it two different ways. He says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So he, he, he's like emphasizing. <laughs> um, what is the first thing God does after, after creating man and woman? What's the first thing he does for him? He blesses them. This is his nature. We're created in his image. What's the first thing that we, to, are to, we do with our children? I mean... After you go through childbirth and you hold your child, do you want to curse them? Everything within you wants to bless them. You want to give them everything they need. You want to be there for them. You don't want them to even dash their foot against the stone. You don't want them to get hurt at all. You, I tell you what, you want to bless them. This is the nature of God in you. And this is what he does. God blessed them. This speaks volumes about his nature. And it speaks volumes about the nature he's put within us to bless. This one revelation of God's nature of which you are created will revolutionize your life. It'll change how you see, it'll change how you think, and it'll change how you act. If you see God as an ogre up there ready to hit you over the head with a baseball bat, what is that going to do to you? All he's doing is looking for where you're going to mess up the next time. But if you see him as a God who loves you and has an abundant grace for you and he's wanting to bless you and he is blessing you and he cares about you, what's that going to do to you on the inside? How's that going to make you want to treat other people? This is about our identity and who we're creating the image of. It is only in seeing God for who he truly is, his true nature that we are set free to see think and act in the way he created us to. If you really want to be free, open your heart and mind to understand God's true nature. And I know you have and I know you do, but the Lord just, I just grew in this revelation just this last year. It, it just, it's something that deep within me I knew was true, 
But just this last year, it came alive in a way that it has never come alive for me before. And it's changed. It's changed how some of you know, like walking with our oldest son and some of the things we've walked through. I, we got to see him for, he and his family for Christmas, right? The, the Sunday before Christmas, before they went out of town. And I could hardly wait for him to get there so I could just love on him. I didn't look at the things of the past. I don't care about the things that have been done. I just wanted to love him. That's God's heart for us. In Luke 2, 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This is God's heart to you and me and all mankind. This is his desire for us. We've sung the songs over Christmas. Here we are in a new year. Receive into your being that God is good and he's wanting to bless you and all mankind and he's wanting to bless all mankind through you and me. When we understand the true nature of God, we will stand in our homes and communities like evergreen trees that point to heaven, proclaiming the peace and goodness God gave all mankind through you and me through the coming and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as we embrace it. Why do you think it took God 2,000 years to implement the law? Do you realize that for 2,000 years, men and women were on the earth without the law? I, I hadn't really realized that. He didn't want to give us the law. And then it was here for 2,000 years. And then when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law for you and me. And then it's because of God's love and grace. When, um, when, do you really love pointing out all of, the, all of the shortcomings of your, if you have children or with your friends? If you do, you've got a problem. Most of us don't. <laughs> God doesn't either. He doesn't want to point out all of our faults and our failings. But out of love and grace, he had to implement the law for our own good or we would have self-destructed. Comparing ourselves with ourselves. Um, Hebrews 7.18 says, um, For on the one hand, a former commandment is canceled because of its weakness and uselessness, because of its inability to justify the sinner before God. For the law never made anything perfect. While on the other hand, a better hope is in, in, introduced through which we can continually draw near to God. In the King James Version, it says, For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. So disannulling in the Oxford Dictionary says, Declare to be invalid. Cancel. Your covenant shall be disannulled. Okay? Merriam-Webster says to say officially that something is no longer valid. So God is saying here, the law is no longer valid. Jesus fulfilled it. To reduce to nothing, to obliterate. This is what annul means. To make ineffective or inoperative. We're to, the law is to be ineffective and inoperative in our lives. To declare or make legally invalid or void. What's the legal difference between annulment and divorce? I know somebody was asking that. Legal Zoom says there are two ways to legally end a marriage. 
annulment and divorce. An annulment is a legal procedure which cancels a marriage between a man and a woman. Annulling a marriage is as though it is completely erased. Legally, it declares that the marriage never technically existed and was never valid. This is what God, this is what God did with the law because Jesus fulfilled it. We lived for 2,000 years without it. We lived for 2,000 years with it. And we've lived for 2,000 years without it again. It's been fulfilled. But what do we tend to go back to? And what does all of our culture hang on? Law. I mean, we're very legal focused. Anyone? Anyone here? See, so here, here's an example. The Old Testament is based on the law, and the New Testament is based upon the redeeming blood of Jesus. In the Old Testament, the law was enacted to point out man's sin. And we could never measure up in our own unrighteousness. Say you did, out of 100 things, you did 99 things right. What's the law going to do? Anybody here ever gotten a speeding ticket? No? Who said no? You've never gotten one? Who else has it? You haven't? You ladies, I look up to you. You're awesome. I know. <laughs> Woohoo. I'm not going to tell you. Anyhow, yesterday, yesterday morning, I got caught up in prayer, added some things that the Lord had showed me about this talk tonight. I went in and I ran in and I typed them out real quick. Oh my gosh, I had an MRI to get to for my knee. And I was running late because I went over in prayer, and then I wrote some things down. And so I'm zooming along, and I forgot to exit at Academy, and so I exited at Austin Bluffs, and I was cutting across UCS. And when I got past Union, there was a motorcycle cop. I was going with the flow of traffic, but somehow or another I got picked. <laughs> and I got a speeding ticket. Now, you know, this nice officer, he didn't come up, and he didn't talk about all the things I was doing right. He didn't mention one thing I was doing right. It was, he was focused on the one thing I was doing wrong. And that's, that's okay. That's his job. And I was wrong. I was speeding. But that's the law's job, too, job, is to point out everything you do wrong. And if you're living under the law... You're so concerned about all the things you're doing wrong. I've been there. I've done that. And it tries to come back on me. It's part of the world we live in. Legalism. You can never measure up. Never. Did you know in the Old Testament if you had moles on your body, you were unclean? It, have you ever read through? If you have on... If you have on clothes that are not 100% pure one fabric, if, you, if they're dual fabric, you're unclean. I mean, the law is there to point out we can't do it. Only through Jesus can we do it, ladies. And I applaud you that have never had a speeding ticket. I look up to you. Pardon? Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. That's different. Yeah, probably everybody here has. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow... Um, when he looked at my driver's license, was he looking at my identity or my identification? Right. He was looking at my identification. 
There is so much more to you and me than what's shown on our driver's license, isn't there? Thank God. On our driver's license, it identifies us as a female, at least in this day and time. I don't know what they're going to do with all these other different categories that they're coming up with. I mean, oh, my gosh. And then if they change their mind, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a she man. I'm a he, he her. I'm a, I don't know. There's 50 different things that you can put down. I don't know what the legal system is going to do with all of that. But the Google search says that um, a female of or denoting the sex that can bear offspring or produce eggs, distinguished biologically by the production of gametes, ova, that can be fertilized by male gametes. Feel better? <laughs> feminine. The synonyms are feminine, womanly, ladylike. It's uh, female attributes. You know what the anonym is? Male. <laughs> and I thought this was interesting. Of parts of machinery, fittings, etc., manufactured hollow so that a corresponding male part can be inserted. Merriam-Webster says, having some quality or gentleness associated with the female sex. This is what female means. On your driver's license, it says female. Now, that might be identification of who you are, but that's not your identity. God has created us in the image of God. In the image of God, he has created us, male and female. So our image is in God. Our glory as females looks different than that of a man. Men and women are created equally in the image of God. But our roles, our glory is different. And we'll learn more about that. Is there more to you and me than that? I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, right. And we will learn about that in the feminine design. Romans 7, 7, God's law reveals our sin. Well, then, I, I am, am I suggesting that the law of God is, is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. It was the officer that brought to my attention I was speeding. I would never have known, well, I did know, that, con that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. Whereas in the New Testament, Jesus paid for our sin and we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, living in God's love and grace once again. Receive this, ladies. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 1 John 4.10 says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, that is, the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for our sins fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin and placating his wrath. His wrath has been fulfilled. He is not angry with you. He loves you. His grace is for you. He is for you. I just believe he just thinks I'm wonderful. He does. He does. He I believe it. Yes, that's so true. Yeah, we can... Amen. I've got to keep going here. Um, have you ever wondered, well, we kind of talked about that. I got ahead of myself. Mm -hmm. 
Galatians 3.24 says, Let me put it another way. The law was a guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. It was a guardian for us. It was out of God's love for us. Many people think God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden because he was angry with them because he sinned. They sinned. Do you know why he kicked them out of the garden? Some of you may know this. Many of you probably do know this. But I think we need to remember why God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. He kicked them out because he loved them. He didn't want them to live forever in that fallen, sinful state. Because if they would have gone over and eaten out of the tree of life, they would have lived forever in a fallen state. It was out of love that he escorted them out of the garden and wouldn't let them come back. Death to those who receive Jesus as their Savior is a promotion from the broken bodies that we live in. It's God's love, grace, and mercy that we don't have to live forever in that broken torment. For example, this last, this last Sunday night, I was with a friend in the final stages of Alzheimer's. And I finally got her to bed. And... After I got her to bed, something happened, and she's, she began hallucinating. For the next hour and a half, I've never seen torment in the eyes of a person like I did Sunday night. She was hitting herself. She was hitting her hands. She was hallucinating that somebody was hitting her in the head. Who's scratching my eyes? My eyes are bleeding. She was biting her fingers. And I said, those are your fingers, don't bite them. And she would, she was tormented. What if she lived that way forever? It was God's grace. I prayed after I finally got her settled. I went and I prayed, God, give her peace in her soul. Set her free in Jesus' name. And Monday... She went to be with the Lord. Amen. It's God's grace and love. Now, we want to hold on to life, but death to those who know the Lord is grace. It's his love. She's in heaven now. We had many long talks about her knowing Christ, and we prayed together, and she was ready to go be with her heavenly Father, to be set free. Her body was old and tired. I remember being with my dad. He had cancer. You've all been with somebody. We face death. And it is challenging at times. And we're created for life. We're cre God created our bodies to live forever, didn't he? Our bodies, before sin, would live forever. But because of the fall, they begin to die. And so I think we, we need to share Christ with those around us. We all need to know the Lord. And to those who know the Lord, it is a step into ultimate healing and wholeness. And so I rejoice with Jane and her family that she's in heaven now and she's set free. No extra charge for this little tidbit here, but... 
uh, it's pretty common knowledge that eating elevates, um, eating elevated levels of carbs and sugar can cause diabetes, but many people aren't aware of the fact that it can also significantly raise our chances of contracting dementia or Alzheimer's. Carbs and sugar destroy our brain. It's hard on our heart. It's hard on our gut. Um, our, body, our bodies significantly affected our lives, don't they? And if we want to take care of our bodies, if we want our bodies to be part of the answer instead of part of the problem, we need to align with God's design. We need to find what his design is and align. As we go through this, I will mention in each one of the aspects just a little bit about how that aspect and food go together. Because what was the first sin around? It had to do with food. What does communion have to do with? Food and drink. His body and his blood. He's likened it to bread and wine. The sacrifices in the Old Testament, a lot of it had to do with things that we consume, things that we would eat. There's something with food. I don't understand it, but God seems to think that food is important. Um, uh, Romans, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, so how do we shine? So... Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This is where we can change for the better ladies, letting God paint the truth of his love and design upon our hearts and the canvases of our lives. Proverbs 23, 7a encourages us, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We need to allow our minds to be renewed. As we study God's word, to better understand his design for womanhood, we will first look at the one in whom we were created. And that, that foundational scripture will be Genesis 1, 26 to 28. God's calling us to change. He is good. As we come into this study, let's submit our lives to God, his word, and the work of his spirit in our lives. Part of our prayer for you has been, um, the facilitators have been praying for you, uh, the leaders have been praying for you, for you, for the Lord to be able to come in and paint on the canvas of your lives. To repaint, redeem anything that's in there that is not congruent with his word. So, as we're willing to trust him, we will see this work. Let's hear what God has to say about his beautiful design of womanhood this semester. I look forward to seeing you here. We're going to go into a time of worship. And... Um, I just encourage you to bring friends if you know of anybody that might be interested in this. Bring friends. Mm -hmm. And next week we'll have our... Do you have the cards? The shine cards? Okay, that's fine. Next week we'll have them out. Oh, yes. The flags. Remember this flag at your table? And this will be... You'll look for this. Last semester we had a hard time figuring out tables and stuff. 
So, and it's written on there, United States, Japan, Great Britain. Um, and, and then you will come and you will pray. When we go into D groups, you'll pray for that country and what God's wanting to do there. And so that's just an identifier for your group. This, that's the table your group will sit at. Okay? Super. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Christine. I was thinking about um, shining and how the moon reflects the sun and we reflect God and our view of God, it determines how we live our lives and how we shine um, or we don't shine. And my brother Isaac today, um, I've just had kind of a crazy day. <laughs> Allie knows. I have a grandma who's um, dying, and so just hospice couldn't come, and there was shine, and I had to work. Anyway, um, in the middle of my day, Isaac, who's off in college in Nebraska, that I had no idea, like he doesn't know I've had kind of a stressful day. He sent me this song, and I'd never heard it before, and I'm going to play it for you for part of worship, because it just really ministered to me. Um, and it's about God's love. Huh? I will, but I'm going to read the lyrics first. Um, so the lyrics, this is called Pieces by Amanda Cook. It says, um, unreserved, unrestrained, your love is wild. Your love is wild for me. It isn't shy, it's unashamed. Your love is proud to be seen with me. You don't give your heart in pieces. You don't hide yourself to tease us. Uncontrolled, uncontained, your love is a fire burning bright for me. It's not just a spark. It's not just a flame. Your love is a light that all the world will see. All the world will see. You don't give your heart in pieces, and you don't hide yourself to tease us. Your, love's not, not, your love is not fractured. It's not a troubled mind. It isn't anxious. It's not the restless kind. Your love's not passive. It's never disengaged. It's always present. It, ha it, hands on, it hangs on every word we say. Love keeps its promises. It keeps its word. It honors what's sacred. Because its vows are good. Your love's not broken. It's not insecure. Your love's not selfish. Your love is pure. And I just loved that today because I need to hear that. Um, and so I'm going to play you the song. And then we'll go into worship. But let this be the first worship song. Just close your eyes and let it soak in. And let God love you. Like this is God's love for us. Straight. 
It's not the rest is kind. 